Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Another big win on the home floor for the Warriors last night, 113-95 over Detroit. They improved to 5-3. All of their wins have been by at least 11 points. They shot over 60% from the field. First time they have done that since March 25th. 2011 in the game against Toronto as they continued to dominate on the home floor. They took away the game early in the first quarter with a big run and led wire to wire. The starting five continues to have a great run right now. Maybe the best starting five in the NBA. Hi, Tim Roy, and welcome to another edition of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And you heard right, I think that starting five might be the best five to open a game that the NBA has to offer right now. Now, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later on. One of the starting five is the new addition of Andre Iguodala. He sat down with Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald on the recent road trip and talked about his adjustment to the Golden State Warriors. Later on in the show, we'll hear from Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, who will tell us why it's so hard for Miami to get back to the NBA Finals yet again. I'll answer your questions on Twitter, at WarriorsVox, and we'll also find out in the Warriors' continuing efforts to make the Bay Area an even better better place to live. It's going to be a fun-filled, information-filled hour here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, so don't you dare go away. We'll come back and hear from Bob Fitzgerald and Andre Iguodala in just a moment, but a quick reminder that tomorrow night you can feel the electricity of Warriors ground where the Warriors take on Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Take advantage of a special dynamic deal brought to you by Wiener Schnitzel. Tickets start at just $44. Buy your tickets early and save at warriors.com slash dynamic deal. There's only a few left, so you might want to do it right now. Warriors and Thunder, 7 o'clock with the airtime. But as I mentioned, Andre Iguodala is up next. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads a three on two, finds Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Thompson past the corner, Iguodala behind the back to Lee for a right hand layup. What a pass by Andre Iguodala. Here's Iguodala with a pass behind the back to Lee. Those are examples of some of the great passes that Andre Iguodala has made as a Golden State Warrior, and we're only eight games into his Warriors tenure. An almost seamless transition for Andre Iguodala into the starting five for head coach Mark Jackson and the Warriors. He's also doing it off the floor. He's showing his appreciation for Warrior fans by giving away the final pair of Warriors 2013-2014 season tickets. Go to warriors.com slash final pair for contest rules and to be automatically entered for a chance to win season tickets courtesy of Andre Iguodala. No purchase is necessary to enter or to win. Andre had a chance to sit down with Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald on the recent road trip and talked about his transition to Golden State. Take us to the decision to sign with the Warriors. I mean, you and Dwight Howard are kind of the big free agents. Great year in Denver. You had your gold medal from the Olympic team. But why pick Golden State? 
If I put a bunch of uh, cars with teams' names on them in a bucket, <laughs> and then I just kind of close my eyes, and then that's the card I chose. No, um, I just felt like it was a good situation for me. You know, I feel like the organization was heading in the right direction. Uh, they've done a great job on the outside and on the inside, from ownership to um, management to the coaching staff, and the players have been putting a lot of hard work in it. The fan base was just amazing experiencing that in the playoffs. So uh, I don't feel like it was the right right spot for me. When you saw that playoff series and you're playing against Steph and Clay, and now you're playing with them, what maybe is different? Did did you know them as guys as well, or now you see their games? What, what has changed now that you're a teammate? Well, I knew Steph from the World Championship team in 2010. Um, so I got a chance to know, meet him and his family, get to know them. And uh, you, you kind of can get to know a guy, guarding a guy a lot. So I, you know, I had to go up against Clay. He doesn't talk much, but uh, still get a, you know, I still can get a feel for what the type of person he was. Um, and, you know, I, I felt like it would be a really good um, combination of the guards that we have on this team, from myself to those two and Harrison Barnes, and some of the damage that we could do on the court. We're talking to Andre Iguodala and guarding. It's one of your calling cards. It's thankless. It's a lot of hard work. It's not something the guys in the league do because they're worried about scoring and things like that. Where did that defensive mindset come? And Jim Barnett and I always say this guy could teach a clinic on how to close out on shots, how to defend. Where did that come from in your basketball DNA? I think it's just competing at a young age and wanting to be the best player. Um, so I used to just size myself up. Whoever they said was the best guy, I just you know, I just went after him. Um, it, it, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't taught to me. You know, you know, you can learn the principles and you can learn, you know, footwork. But at the end of the day, it's just wanting to do it. And um, when I got into this league, that's how I got on the court. So it's just been with me the whole time. Who's the toughest guard in the NBA in terms of when you're looking at your scouting report and covering a guy? I mean, is it LeBron? Is it Durant? Who, who's the guy that would jump out at you? Um, Carmelo gets it going. He's probably the toughest guy to guard. Uh, some of the really quick point guards, but um, the, the 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 hardest thing to guard is the pick and roll. And I don't really consider that you know guarding a guy because it's kind of almost two on one sometimes. But as far as one on one matchup isolations, Carmelo Anthony's uh, strong, quick, uh, and he can shoot. Um, so it's just almost unstoppable sometimes. All right, work with me on this theory. Steph Curry, contract. David Lee, contract. Andrew Bogut, contract. Andre Iguodala, contract. When you have good guys and financially a team takes care of them, numbers and stats and things don't really matter. They play basketball the right way. The extra pass, the covering over to help a teammate. Is there something to be said for that in the NBA where sometimes if a guy's playing for a deal, you know, he's got to put up numbers. That's part of the deal. But on this team, a lot of the quality players are taken care of. You get the group you know you'll be with for a long time. Yeah, you kind of you have to have gone through it to understand it, and we all have gone through it. Um, and see, I've seen so many other guys go through it. You know, I played with um, Drew Holiday, and I played with Daddy Young, and Lewis Williams, and um, Ty Lawson, and all those guys got paid. And um, you want to be taken care of, but it, it also feels really good when you see one of your teammates taken care of. So um, it's up to us as the guys who have already gotten paid to set the example for the younger guys because, you know, when their time comes, we're going to help them as well. You know, that's our job as teammates is to, to help everybody eat. Um, so we're going to do that with 
Clay, we're going to do that with Harrison, we're going to do that anybody coming up, we're going to try to help them as much as possible. Everybody says playing with you is a dream because you're such a willing passer and a good passer. Just thinking of just plays throughout the early part of the season, you'll drive, draw three guys, kick out to Clay for a three, kick out to Steph for a three, throw a lob to Bogut off the handle. It's got to be nice so you fit in seamlessly because everybody says, I'll play with Andre Iguodala. He'll feed me the ball. He creates for other people. I mean, that's got to be something where you get along with guys right from the get-go when you play that style. Yeah, and this is kind of the process of getting those guys to understand that. Um, because when you first come in, um, I don't think they, they really don't understand until they're on the court with me. So, you know, I've been fortunate to play with um, some really good playmakers and passers, um, especially Andre Miller. And now I've been able to see how he's, in, you know, helped his teammates become better players, make the game easier for them. And if, you're, if I'm making the game easier for you know, two of the best shooters of all time, it's going to eventually open up for me. So um, it's kind of that, you know, leading by example as well um, and being a creature by, by habits. And when you're moving the ball, it's hard for teams to guard you, and uh, it makes us a better team. Finishing up with Andre Iguodala, give me one thing fans don't know about Andre Iguodala. I mean, you, you collect cars, you're a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. I mean, what – What's maybe one thing that, that people don't know about you? Uh, I'm, a, I'm weird in terms of an NBA player. Um, I read a lot, actually. Um, I read a lot. And I've been playing Tiger Woods a lot lately, so it's taken away from my reading. <laughs> but um, taking, So I'm taking classes, so I'm always in a book, and, uh, or I'm always with the family. So uh, I sound like an old man. <laughs> No, but is it John Grisham? Is it Patterson? Is it certain authors? I mean, when you're going to read, what do you are you biographies? What are you reading? Biographies, uh, I've become a fan of. Um, early on, I, I didn't read too many biographies, but uh, I've become a fan of biographies from uh, Oscar Robinson to Steve Jobs. Um, but Malcolm Gladwell is um, one of my favorite authors. In his book, um, David well, he's and got, Goliath. He's got Blink, he's got yeah. Outliers. He's got David and Goliath just came out last week. So I just downloaded that, and I read all his other books. Um, he has four other ones. Um, so I'm a fan of his. Well, in Outliers, do you have the 10,000 hours of mastery as an NBA player? Yeah, I've, I think I passed <laughs> that a long time ago. But um, 10,000 hours is a long time. I mean, you can maybe you can get, uh, I don't know, you can get, a, I don't know, it's tough to get 1,000 in one year. It takes you about 15 years to get that. And I've been playing ball since I was about six. So I don't think I'm there. That's Bob Fitzgerald and Andre Iguodala here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Coming up, I'll answer your questions on Warriors Vox. We'll hear from Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, who says, yes, the Golden State Warriors are for real. But first, another example in the continuing efforts by the Warriors to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. That is up next on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Jammed it over, Duncan. (laughs) Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Recently, the Golden State Warriors, along with Teach for America and Partners in School Innovation, hosted a chalk talk for students at San Francisco's MLK Middle School. Warriors guard Kent Bazemore and Warriors legend Alvin Adels shared their stories about overcoming obstacles on their path to the NBA. For Bazemore, 
It was growing up in a house that was temporarily without a dad. And for adults, it was changing his direction to academics. All these stories were in a hope to inspire the students to do their best in school this year. This was the final event of Back to School in the Bay 2013, when the Warriors went to five Bay Area schools in five days to help raise awareness about the importance of education and to continue to try and make the Bay Area an even better place to live. Middle school was a very eye-opening experience for me. Uh, my dad got, uh, was in jail for like a year. Um, so I was playing football, it was just me, my mom, and my little brother. So I had to grow up kind of quick, you know, she would be away from home and just be me and my little brother at home. You know, I had to learn how to cook early, you know. So, I mean, I can cook now really good, but it's all through trial and error. I used to screw everything up, like, eat ramen noodles all the time. I couldn't even make ramen noodles at one point in time, but uh, it's, just, it's just like perseverance. And, you know, I've always had a goal set in my mind that, you know, even, even back then, I always wanted to make sure my little brother was okay. So I would do whatever it took to make sure he was fine. And, and that's what you got to do, you know, as, as, as children your age, you know, just find a goal and just chase it, you know, whether it be, okay, I'm gonna make it a high school, make, I'm gonna make it a middle school, just, just chase it, you know, just, just take it one step at a time and, you know, everything will start to fall in place. Many times we set goals that we can't reach. And when we can't reach them, we get frustrated. And frustrated and leads us to doing things that we hope we wouldn't have to do. So I've always told young people, particularly after going through it myself, I had a teacher in high school who really put me on the right path. And I changed my thinking to where education was more important than playing basketball. Okay, now I was able to graduate, I became an honor student, which was the goal for me. And then I also had an opportunity involved with basketball so it's been a win-win situation for me you know nobody can play basketball forever so the goal is even if you get to be a professional athlete you still need to have a quality education so you can have choices and options for yourself as an adult and for your family golden state warriors basketball Play Thompson launches again and buries a three from right in front of the Clippers, man. Uh-oh, we got a shootout. Okay, Corral, here we go. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Always great to answer your questions here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. Go to Twitter at WarriorsVox or send me an email, uh, TimRoy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at Warriors.com. And WarriorsVox is Warriors, V-O-X. We're trying to answer as many as we can. Now, don't forget that next Wednesday is the Steph Curry three-point record bobblehead courtesy of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. Buy your tickets early and save at warriors.com slash bobblehead. It's also the rematch with the Memphis Grizzlies. And you know the Warriors owe the Grizzlies one after losing at the FedEx Forum last week uh, just at the end of Beale Street. So let's move on and get to your questions. We'll start our first one tonight from I am Random 22 Should head coach Mark Jackson be concerned with the injury to Tony Douglas with the way Bazemore and Nedovich have performed so far? Well, before last night's game against Detroit, in his meeting with the media, Mark Jackson addressed the subject and said it's an opportunity. It's a great opportunity for those guys. 
You know, you go back to last year and Draymond Green gets an opportunity because Richard Jefferson gets hurt early. You never know in this league. The thing you want to do is stay ready. And when the opportunity presents itself, take off and take off running. So this is going to be an opportunity for somebody. On to Bumblebot30 who wants to know, who do you think will be the first overall pick next year? And how about that? We're in November and people are already looking forward to the NBA draft. It is supposed to be one of the great drafts of all time. And I look forward to watching the young players progress as they make their path toward the NBA. The names we hear, Andrew Wiggins, the small forward out of Kansas, Jabari Parker, who's been spectacular so far, even in practice for Duke, and Julius Randle, who is the power forward from Kentucky. Those are the names we hear most often. Those are dynamic young players uh, who I think will have an impact on the NBA in a good way. It's an exciting time to be a basketball fan. Now, Next question, and Sammy at 2112 wants to know, uh, last night with the Pistons in town, we saw Rasheed Wallace, who is now the player development coach for the Pistons, and he wanted to know, what if the Warriors had drafted Sheed instead of Joe Smith? Well, it'd be different. I don't know what the uh, end result would have been. Uh, obviously, Rasheed was very talented. Uh, he was mercurial, though. He was always a little bit of a, a hothead on the floor, getting a number of technicals. But he had talent, and he was an underrated team player, which is, I think is one of the reasons why he is now focused as a player development coach. He was a guy that really was more about winning than people understood because easily he could have averaged 21, 22, 25 a night, especially early in his career. If he wanted to, he could have done that. But he was never a guy that was going to take 25 shots a night to try to get his numbers up. He was more about winning. And uh, he was a very, very talented guy. I think a little bit uh, misunderstood. Eric and Raleigh wants to know, do the Warriors have cap room and interest to sign Jamal Tinsley while Douglas is out? Uh, Tinsley recently waived by the Utah Jazz veteran point guard, spent most of his career as an Indiana Pacer. Uh, I, I think if Tony Douglas was out for the season, and if it was after January 6th, which is when you can start signing guys to 10-day contracts, I think you might bring him in for a 10-day. But right now, with Douglas sidelined for two weeks before they reevaluate him, you have Nedovich, you have Bazemore, and you have the ace in the hole of Andre Iguodala. He is a guy that can handle the ball. He's done this before. He initiated the offense at Philadelphia at times. He initiated the offense at times as a Denver Nugget. He can handle the ball, and he gives you that little extra option. And plus, I think when, when Iguodala is handling the ball, and now you have Thompson and Barnes on the floor, say if Steph Curry's getting some rest, it's a matchup problem for the other team. Because if Iguodala doesn't turn the ball over, now your point guard has to guard somebody. So that means if he's a smaller point guard, he has to guard either Clay Thompson he has to guard either Harrison Barnes or Andre Iguodala. And we saw that in Minnesota when Steph went out and Iguodala was handling the ball. Minnesota had to guard Clay Thompson with J.J. Barea. And that's a matchup the Warriors took advantage of and it forced a timeout for the Timberwolves. So keep that in the back of your mind. I think one of the two, Bazemore or Nedovich, will step up and get the Lions a share of the minutes for the Warriors during this period while Douglas is sidelined. Always great to answer your questions here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and we'll do it also on the post-game roundtable. Just send me a tweet at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVox, or you can do it email at uh, TimRoy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. Andre Iguodala is showing his appreciation for Warrior fans already by giving away the final pair of Warriors 2013-2014 season tickets. Go to Warriors.com slash final pair for contest rules and to be automatically entered for a chance to win season tickets courtesy 
of Andre Iguodala. No purchase is necessary to enter or to win. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News comes by next. I'm going to ask him who's the more surprising team, the Philadelphia 76ers or the Phoenix Suns, and why is the West always so much better than the East in the NBA? We'll address those topics and more as we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand, rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Let's go around the association and we'll find out the latest from Sean Devaney, who writes for the Sporting News and thesportingnews.com. Sean, let's start with the conversation, I guess, uh, going early in this season. And uh, we've had already some surprises. Some teams have have, uh, gotten off to decent starts. So what's more surprising to you, Philadelphia at 4-4 or the Phoenix Suns at 5-2? Probably Phoenix, just given the fact that, uh, uh, you know, they've played – uh, in the Western Conference, and obviously that's that's much more difficult, and and you're going to get some tougher teams. Uh, not that Philadelphia hasn't beaten some teams, but when you look at at, at the way both of those teams uh, uh, have come out, Phoenix uh, they, they look a little more sustainable. You know, I mean, I I think Philadelphia is going to sink, maybe not all the way to the bottom of the East. Uh, the way many of us predicted, but uh, uh, you know, I, I do think they're going to sink. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised though to see Phoenix uh, uh, wind up somewhere near 500. Just, just given the way that uh, uh, you've had Eric Bledsoe come out and and look like the star player that a lot of us thought he would be, uh, but then you've had some surprises like Markeith Morris. Uh, you know, the start that he's been off to. Uh, Gerald Green has certainly gotten his act together. And then he's got Miles Plumley. You know, it was kind of a throwaway uh, in that Louis Scola trade. Uh, he's come out and he's been really good. So, uh, you know, I think that there's probably a little more staying power with Phoenix than there is with Philadelphia. Uh, and that's, uh, I would have to give them the nod as far as the uh, biggest early, spe- early season surprise. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Eric Bledsoe, you know, he was looked great in spurts, but it was really hard to figure out just how good he was because he's, he's playing behind Chris Paul. Chris Paul's going to play 30 minutes a game, especially in, in a playoff situation. And and so he didn't get a, a, a lot of run last year in, in terms of his ability. Uh, I've been surprised at, at uh, you know, obviously we knew he could play defense. We knew that. We knew he's, he's an athlete and he's physical. Uh, I'm a little surprised at how well he's running that team. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they do have Goran Dragic, and that allows uh, Bledsoe to play off the ball. But Dragic has had some injury problems, and, 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 and basically Bledsoe has been the point guard and, uh, and has done so, you know, pretty efficiently. He's, he's going to make mistakes, there's no question. He makes way too many turnovers. Uh, he always tries to make the spectacular play. He'll rein that in some, though, and, and, and that's something that as he gets experience, uh, in that role, he's going to get better and better at. Uh, but, you know, you look at his athleticism, like you say, uh, and, and the development of him as a shooter. He's gotten much better with his shot. Uh, you know, he's still not going to be, uh, you know, mistaken for Reggie Miller or, or Ray Allen or anybody like that. But, you know, he's gotten much better from the perimeter. Uh, and, and you balance that against his athleticism. You know, he, he's a guy who, at, at age 24, really getting his first chance to be a starter, to be a star in this league, 
uh, you know, he, he's going to wind up getting all-star considerations. I don't know if he'll make it uh, when, when February comes around because the, the West does have so many good guards, but uh, certainly he would have to be uh, uh, up there on the list of, uh, uh, of candidates for that, uh, for that all-star team. We're talking with Sean Devaney and, and I, Tim Roy, here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And, and uh, Sean, I wanted to get uh, back to one thing. And, and I, I saw this quote yesterday, and it, it's from Mike Krzyzewski of Duke. And he says, uh, basically, he basically said that, you know, it's a shame on whoever tanks in, in the NBA. And I, I, you know, personally, I think college coaches should worry about just developing their own players and getting their, you know, getting their teams ready. They shouldn't worry about what's going on in the NBA. But, but to me, I don't know, like, let's take the Utah Jazz. You know, they haven't won a game yet, okay? But, but next year, you can't tell me that they're going to be on a better path when Cantor, Favors, Hayward, Burke when he gets back, Alec Burks, all those guys get tons of minutes this year and play a lot of games. They're going to be better next year. They're going to have a good draft pick. They're going to be better. They're on a path now to build the team back up to be a Western Conference contender it, whereas the team they had last year, you know, was not a Western Conference contender, it was never going to be one, and so they, they took it apart. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and I, I agree with you. you. You sometimes you build a team, and and you know, tanking is is sort of this dirty word, and 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 it's kind of taken on this weird meaning uh, that if you're rebuilding and you're putting together a young team that's going to take its lumps then you're somehow tanking. I, I just don't buy that. You know, I mean, I, tanking is going out there and trying to lose. And I really don't think that there are any teams that are taking the floor with the coaches telling the players, hey, uh, you know, don't try very hard. Let's, 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 not, uh, uh, let's not win. I don't think there's any coaches out there who, who aren't watching film, who aren't working every day to get their young players better, all that sort of thing. So, you know, that, that, that's the first thing is that tanking has sort of been perverted as a word uh, in terms of uh, in, in the way that it it's applied. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think there's anything wrong with going with young players and 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 understanding that you're going to lose in the short term and hopefully uh, get better in the long term. I mean, you go back to 2003. The two worst teams in the league that year uh, were Denver uh, and, and 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 Cleveland. And I don't think either team uh, is going to regret you know winning 17 games one year and then winding up with LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. Uh if you look, you know, Toronto was was I think they won 24 games and they got Chris Bosh. Uh Miami won 25 games that year they got Dwayne Wade. So, you know, I don't think any of those teams really regret, you know, the fact that they had to go through some bad times in order to get uh you know a very good player on the other end of it. So, yeah, you know, I I, I agree with you. I I think the whole thing with tanking has been so overblown. Uh, and, uh, and, and I agree that, that, you know, sometimes, uh, you see this in all sports, but it's probably more palpable in basketball, uh, because, you, you know, you really do need that star player, uh, that, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to, to suffer through a bad season with an eye on the future. Yeah, and I think the NBA gets, NBA gets a bad rap that way. Nobody said the Indianapolis Colts tanked when they, went, when they were horrible and they got Andrew Luck in the draft. I mean, uh, it's, 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 to me, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous thing. If a team wants to build by going young, they can build by going young. And sometimes when you run young players out there, uh, you're not trying to lose. You're try- you want them to learn how to win. And sometimes they have to lose a lot of games to figure that out. It's, you know, for Utah right now, they're just not good enough. And, but yeah. to me, you know, Derek Favors, Cantor, Hayward, those guys are all going to be better next year by what they're going through this year. And that's just... That's just me. But anyway, let's let's move on. Let's get to something else. And by the way, you can uh, go to sportingnews.com and read uh, Sean Devaney's uh, thoughts, whether it be on uh, 
Jordan uh, Crawford was your uh, your most recent, along with an interview with the uh, Lon Babby of the Suns. Yeah, there's uh, there's there's been a bunch of that. We got the uh, mock draft is up there already because uh, because this is such an wait exciting, a minute, uh, wait hold on hold on Ma- you, you guys have a mock draft up already? Is it's bad enough I have to go into my my local supermarket and see Christmas stuff in October? You guys have a mock draft up already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hey, look this. Uh, this draft class warrants it. I mean, this I'm already talking to scouts, and scouts are already forming opinions. They're going to change. Those opinions are going to change. But but certainly these guys, uh, you know, in this draft especially, have been uh, studied enough to where, uh, you know, where scouts have a pretty strong opinion on, on where the guys rank at this point. So, you know, this isn't my mock draft. It's, it's the scouts that I talk to. <laughs> well, of course, uh, they're talking about Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker and Julius Randle. It's an exciting time for basketball. I think it's great. And I think it's, uh, these young guys are going to have a – it's going to be great for college basketball because I think college basketball needs a boost. And in, it's certainly, you know, bringing bright young talent in the NBA is always a great thing. And, and uh, it's, it's why, you know, when people say, oh, the league's going to be down, it, it may have a, a year where it doesn't have the, the star power coming in in a particular draft. But there's always uh, new talent coming in. And, and I look forward to it. It's going to be fun this year. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the atmosphere around the games last night, uh, uh, you know, those those games were pretty well hyped, and 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 I think it was it it proved to be worth the hype, and and I think that that helps. That you know, if it's if it's November and people already know who uh, you know Julius Randle is, and and of course they know Wiggins and they know Parker, uh, and and you know Marcus Smart, you can go right down the list. If people already know who they are in November, you know, the casual fans who sometimes don't really notice that until you get to March Madness, that's going to pay off in the NBA. That's going to really uh, uh, be something that, uh, um, you know, people are going to be excited about the draft. They're going to be excited about the league next year. Sean Devaney is our guest on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. Of course, he is with the Sporting News. And I want to get to something, and I know it's early. It's a, You know, we haven't even played 10 games yet, but it, it well, 10 games is one-eighth of a season, but... I looked at the standings after our game last night when the Warriors knocked off the Pistons, and there are nine teams above 500 in the West. There's only three teams above 500 in the East. So solve this dilemma for me, if you will. You know, this it's no longer just a swing of a pendulum. This has been going on for decades now. Why is the Western Conference so much better? Is it ownership? Is it better general managers? Why is the West... Uh, so good and has been so good as compared to the East for years? Yeah, you know, it's an excellent question. Uh, And there were different explanations at different times, and I don't think those explanations really hold up uh, so much anymore. I mean, there was a time where, uh, you know, markets like New York and Philadelphia, for example, there was was high pressure to win now, uh, and, and, and so teams really didn't have much, much forethought in the way they built their teams. I don't know that that necessarily applies anymore. Uh, you also had a time when, you know, Western Conference teams were a little ahead of the curve on, on, on things like international players, guys like Nurk, Dirk Nowitzki or, or Pecha Stojakovic. Uh, but again, you know, I, I don't know that that applies anymore. Uh, so I'm sort of at a loss now to explain why, you know, why the Eastern Conference has had such a hard time, uh, you know, uh, really building up uh, uh, its talent base and, 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 and keeping it. You know, so uh, I think some of it is a coincidence. You know, you've got a team in Brooklyn uh, 
uh, that, uh, that that just hasn't come together yet, and, and, and you got to give them a little time. You've got, uh, of course, a team in Chicago with uh, uh, with Derrick Rose, and he's not quite ready yet. And uh, you know, when he gets healthy, uh, he should really develop. So, uh, you know, I think some of it is just it'll it'll work out over time. But there's no question that look, the, the Eastern Conference has you know maybe five teams that are going to be uh, you know high quality, and then the Western Conference is going to have ten. And and I, I I'm at a loss, Tim. To, to explain that, you know, like I said, there, there there have been different reasons I think throughout time, but uh, sitting here now, I, I really can't explain it. Well, that's your homework assignment for the rest of the season is to try to find out the mystery of the West and uh, <laughs> figure out what's going on there. Hey, uh, here's here's one thing I wanted to toss out, and and Miami is is obviously the team to beat, and they should be, but I always think it it the the three P part of it is so hard because of the wear and tear. You know, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a grind to play that deep, you know, and they've done that, what, three years in a row as a group, right? So, to me, to get back to a finals for a fourth year, that's going to be really, really hard for them. Yeah, and I think the, one of the big differences, if we go back and you look at, say, the Bulls uh, in the 90s, uh, you know, one thing that they did is they always seemed to add a new player. And, and, and kind of change the dynamic a little bit, you know. So you go from Horace Grant, and and then you get you know a Scott Williams, and then you get a uh, uh, you know Bill Wennington in there. You get of course Dennis Rodman was probably the the best known of those. Uh, but you know they, they always seem to have a, a a pretty good way of of retooling this, the the the, the uh, uh, supporting cast in such a way that it would breathe new life into the roster. That's not really the case right now with Miami. You know they they, they brought in Odin, they brought in. Uh, Michael Beasley, but uh, this is essentially the same group as last year, and, and, and last year they brought in Ray Allen, but but essentially it's the same group as the year before. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think that that's probably their biggest problem is, um, you know, the, 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 the mental wear and tear, uh, the emotional wear and tear. Uh, you know, don't, don't forget they were in a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals each of the last two years. I mean, this, this is a toll that that takes on you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I do think that uh, uh, mentally that's probably going to be Miami's biggest stumbling block. Um, then you factor in the fact that you will have Brooklyn, uh, you will have Chicago, you will have Indiana, who's been fantastic so far. It's going to be that much more difficult in the Eastern Conference for Miami. Uh, I think when you put all that together, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for them uh, to come back and, uh, uh, and do it all over again. Uh, certainly I'm not surprised to see them struggling early on a little bit because, uh, um, you know, it, it, there is that championship hangover. But I think that's going to last uh, longer than, than a lot of people think, and I think it's going to be a factor still uh, when we get into uh, April, May, and June when the playoffs really get cooking. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, my guest, I, Tim Roy, on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Sean, as I let you go, let's talk about the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors are off to a 5-3 and three start. And they have really taken care of business. The teams they have supposed to have beaten, they have beaten, and they've really knocked them around. Uh, their three losses are at Clippers, at Memphis, at San Antonio, and two of those in the back end of a back-to-back. Uh, and, and granted, those are teams the Warriors have to be competitive with. Let's not lose you know sight of that. They they sh- they need to be competitive and beat those teams at at some point. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of the Warriors? Are are they are they for real in your opinion? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that it's another example of, of a team that is still just coming together. Yeah, so I, I uh, you have to be, like you said, you have to be uh, positive about the things that you have seen, uh, you know, from Clay Thompson. Uh, certainly uh, David Lee has, has been great. Uh, you know, Andre Iguodala has been 
you know, pretty much what uh, uh, w- what you would have hoped for uh, from him. So, you know, you, you factor all those things in, uh, and and I think, yeah, you, you certainly have to consider what the possibilities are, uh, especially as you know, Bogut gets uh, uh, gets a little more acclimated, and 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 they start to play better defensively, which is, I think, something that will come. Uh, with a little more time, so yeah, you know, I think that that uh, they're five and three, like you say, and there's probably a couple games in there you wish they would have, uh, you know, done a little better. But I, you know, I, given where they are and given uh, where we are in the season, I think you have to be very, very encouraged. Uh, you know, obviously that that early road trip, that's not something that a lot of teams have had to deal with yet, uh, and they have. So you know, I, I, I do think that 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 five and three. Uh, is uh, you know it's it's a little more positive than uh, uh, than than the five and three that some other teams might have uh, just because of uh, um, the way that they've looked and and I would be very very encouraged if I were a, a Warriors fan right now. Sean, I got one last one for you, and and uh, it came off of Twitter. I saw NBA uh, hoop rumors say that there are trade talks between Denver and New York involving Amon Shumpert and Kenneth Fareed. Uh, that would be an interesting deal, and and Fareed would give New York, a, you know, obviously we saw him up close in the playoffs. He's a high-energy guy and, and gets a lot done on the floor. Yeah, uh, Denver has had this weird relationship with Fareed. You know, he, he wanted a, uh, uh, you know, he, he wants a big contract, and, and they're not quite sure he's worth it. And, of course, we've seen them, uh, you know, going back to the George Carl thing, sort of, uh, uh, you know, tighten the purse strings a little bit. So, uh, you know, whether that's uh, uh, going, they they started shopping uh, Fareed back in the back in the summer, uh, and uh, you know, haven't really looked too deeply into it. Uh, Shumpert is something that came up, but uh, uh, you know, from what I understand, that that hasn't really been active uh, for quite a while. So, you know, it, it, it would take a little time, I think, before that would actually. Uh, uh, go from rumor to reality, uh, but yeah, you, you know, there's 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 certainly uh, uh, in Denver a feeling that uh, uh, that they might be better off uh, seeing what they can get for them. Everybody wants the max, you know. That's just that's the way it is. Whether it be in the NBA <laughs> or in life, everybody wants the max. That's absolutely right, and 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 oddly enough, Tim, not everybody's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, Sean, if uh, folks want to follow you on Twitter, how would they do so? Uh, it's just at Sean Devaney, so just my name. F-E-A-N. Uh, real easy to get to, as is the sportingnews.com, where you click on the NBA tab and you can uh, check out all Sean's work, uh, work and it is worth your time. Sean, as always, uh, a pleasure to talk with you. Safe travels on your uh, NBA coverage. We look forward to seeing you somewhere on the NBA trail. Thank you, Tim. I always learn something when we chat with Sean Devaney. I hope you did, too, and follow him on Twitter, at Sean Devaney. I, Tim Roy, will wrap up the weekly roundtable, a look ahead to the schedule as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two, runner, right-hand flip on the rim, and down! Draymond Green! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time out for the upcoming broadcast brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Warriors back in action tomorrow night. Radio coverage starts at 7 o'clock 
when the Warriors welcome Kevin Durant and the Oklahoma City Thunder. He lobs baseline to Durant, played by Stucky, a smaller defender, steps away, the one-legged fadeaway, nothing but net from 18 feet away. Warriors and Thunder, it's a dynamic deal brought to you by Wiener Schnitzel. And Russell Westbrook in town as well should be a fun test for Mark Jackson's ball club. And then Saturday, the homestand continues as the Warriors welcome the Utah Jazz and the improving Gordon Hayward. Left block, Jefferson, double team, cross court to Foy, right corner, Gordon Hayward, bang, ball game. Gordon's got 25. Warriors and Jazz starting at uh, 7 o'clock. It's a short sleeve Saturday brought to you by Adidas. Three matches Monday in Salt Lake City. The Warriors and the Jazz wrap up a home-and-home series. 5.30 is our airtime on the KMBR 680. Then on Tuesday night, back with the roundtable right here at 8 o'clock on KMBR 680, the sports leader. For tickets to the Oklahoma City game and the Jazz game, go online to warriors.com or call one 888 GSW Hoop, the Warriors with 41 consecutive sellouts at Oracle. Hi, Tim Roy. It's going to wrap up our show. I want to thank all of our guests, including Andre Iguodala. Our thanks to Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald for his contribution with that interview. I want to thank head coach Mark Jackson, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, our producer R.C. Davis, David Feldhouse at the controls here at KMBR 680. Warriors and the Thunder tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, but don't go away because coming up next, our friend Ted Robinson is here to talk about the 49ers and how they're going to bounce back after the loss to Carolina. It's Ted Robinson with the 49ers Insider. I, Tim Roy, say good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala. Right to Clay Thompson. Back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the rim, and he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.